The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Have you ever had a personal crisis or experience that you knew was a problem that other people had to have too? Do you have the smarts, experience, and guts to go out and make something happen that would effectively change the world? If you've got what it takes, then you're going to be something like our guest today, Branislav Vidic. Branislav, welcome welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So this is, uh, you know, you're a, what's interesting about you is that you're not a typical entrepreneurial person. I mean, you're a CEO now of a public company, uh, which you started from scratch, took public and raised uh, something like you told me $20 million or something like that. I mean, a pretty good amount of money. Um, But you're not a, are you an entrepreneur by training or or you're really kind of more of a corporate guy? Well, I started off as a, as a corporate guy, right? You know, big company, Intel, right? You worked for Intel for 22 years. You know, I was there for the best years of Intel. And then um, slowly it became clear to me that I, there's another side of me, entrepreneur side of me. And uh, I left Intel and uh, started the first cardiovascular company um, prior to the, the, the one that I just took public, Harbin and decided that this was really my cup of tea, but it was not uh, overnight. It was a gradual process of realizing that I'm actually a better fit for a startup world than I am for a big corporate world. Yeah, yeah I mean, your, your path is not uh, the typical entrepreneur path where you're a 20-something-year-old working in a basement. You know, you've never had a job before and you come up with some crazy idea. I mean, this first of all, this is a serious idea. I, I love the product that you guys have designed. And we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, the fact that you spent 22 years almost, uh, you know, I mean, in, in an environment that is so foreign to entrepreneurship, uh, you know, a giant corporation like Intel... And then you moved on, you know, what was that trend? I mean, just tell us what was that transition like when you went from this enormously structured environment to suddenly no, no structure at all. What, what was that like for you? In many ways, it was um, shocking because there was no infrastructure, really. There was no support, right? You know, working in, as a senior manager at Intel, you had all kinds of support, right? You know, and in terms of, from admin support to engineering support to human resources support. Once I got into the startup world, I realized 
that there is no limit to what I need to do, right? You know, I have to be all of the above. I have to jump in into all of these things. And uh, and it's not for everybody. And, and it, you know, some people are made for it. Some people are not. It took me a long time to actually realize that I was made for that. And my, you know, adrenaline level was my driver, right? You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. And I knew it was it was difficult. It was difficult and you know risky. Uh, at the same time, um, I would ne- never trade this for any type of co- big corporate world. You know, uh, it's it's amazing that you survived it because uh, you know you, you're right. You got the HR, the, the PR, you got all these different departments that that take care of you. But it's not only that; it's it. Then somebody's got to, you know, fix your computer. They got to put printer uh, ink in the machine. They they have to empty your trash cans. I mean, I mean, literally, entrepreneurs have to do absolutely everything by themselves. Uh, you know, self-employed people that run small companies. So uh, the fact that you made that transition. So uh, did you leave Intel to start this deal, or did the deal, the idea, come after you had already left? Actually, what happened is I just finished Pentium Four design. I got my sabbatical from Intel. Um, every seven years, you get three months off from Intel. Um, and uh, I never went back. I invested into a startup company in the Valley. And next thing I know, I was the CEO of that company in cardiovascular space. And uh, I, I was really you know, kind of mesmerized by the idea of being able to apply my electrical engineering skills to heart. After all, heart is an electrical device in so many ways, right? You know, so all of a sudden I had this wide open field of heart as an electrical device to contribute. And I invented quite a few things by now and, you know, have probably more publications and patents in the field of cardiovascular space than in the field of chip design. So all in all, uh, you know, that happened uh, while I was away from Intel. And it was sort of instant attraction uh, when I realized what the, the company I invested in was really doing. And um, it, like I said, just overnight. You know, um, you're not a medical doctor, right? You're, you're, you're more of a scientist. Yeah, so I have a PhD in electrical engineering, but you know, I'm not a medical doctor. So how does the medical community receive you? I mean, do they, do they look, up, look up to the work that you're doing or do they kind of snub their nose? I mean, what, what are they thinking? That's answered a very interesting question because I would say the reaction is almost like bipolar, right? You know, in half of, of, the, of the community, um, you know, looks at my background and, you know, I was designer of first flash memory, co-inventor, flash memory, Pentium manager, all that stuff. Uh, I would say even majority of medical doctors, you know, respect that. But there is a uh, portion of medical community, medical doctors, that you know has attitude of you know engineers, just engineers. They don't necessarily understand medicine, and they have a strange angle uh, to to the medicine. So, in in that sense, you know, uh, I would say um, it's 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 all, almost like. Uh, you 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 don't know what to expect when you meet a new doctor, and I categorize them in two two categories, like the like I just described it. You know, it, it, what's interesting is that uh, you know each of you understand uh, different things about the same thing, 
And, and that's, that's not uncommon that different people look at, uh, you know, the same thing and understand it in different ways because they have expertise. I mean, you probably understand the electricity of the heart better than a doctor does, and they understand other parts of it better. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. So, so you uh, tell us about the experience that you had that caused this, this business to even come about, because I think all of the great inventions uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And we all know that. And that's uh, certainly true. What experience happened in your life that uh, caused you to come up with the idea for this cardio cardiovascular uh, invention that you came up with? Well, when, when I started, before I started this company, actually, I looked around and uh, I was looking for a technology that would help that chest pain patient, that patient that faces this dilemma. Is this a heart attack that's causing this chest pain or is it indigestion, right? And I realized there was no technology out there that would help that patient, that chest pain patient um, do the right thing. And uh, in, in the right thing in many cases is to go to emergency room, but in many other uh, cases, the right thing is to stay at home in, indeed. Don't go to that crowded emergency room because you are experiencing a, a indigestion or pulled muscle, right? And in it, this whole crucial decision has been um, put on, on, on the shoulder of the patient with no help. So what we developed is the technology that's going to help that patient do the right thing, you know, either rush to emergency room or stay at home with the help of their physician. You know, I've had a couple of uh, medical things and I can relate to this. And let me just kind of recap because I, I don't know if everybody kind of gets what's going on here. But um, can I sit, tell you know, your dad had a heart attack? Is that OK uh, for me to say? Yes, absolutely. OK. And, and he didn't recognize that it was a heart attack. He thought he had indigestion. Uh, he incorrectly, uh, you know, diagnosed himself. He wasn't a medical. Well, he was a medical doctor, actually, right? He was a medical. And, and he still uh, didn't didn't think that what was happening to him was what was actually happening to him. He didn't go get help, and a couple hours later, it uh, it, it didn't work out for him, right? And he passed away. Um, I can relate to this too. Not not a heart attack, but uh, I had uh, I, I lost some vision two years ago. And uh, I woke up one day and bam, there was a, like a flash of light, which I didn't recognize. I didn't know what that was because I never had an eye problem before. And uh, but my vision was a little bit off. There was something that was like wiggly. There was a squiggly line. It wasn't like crystal clear. And I just sort of thought, well, maybe it's a bad contact lens. You know, I put contacts in, in the morning and maybe some, every once in a while you get one that's kind of like one out of 100 in the box is like deformed or something. So maybe it's a bad lens. And I went through my day and it's just no big deal. The next morning I wake up, put another lens and it's like two days in a row, a bad lens. It's, that can't be. I mean, I, but you know, but I, I didn't hurt. I didn't really bother. By the third day there was blood in my eye and I rushed to the doctor and they said, Oh yeah, look at you. You know, you got this big problem and turned into this whole big thing that lasted several months. But because I never went through that experience, I didn't know what it was. When it happened subsequently, because I had several detached retinas and other things happen afterward, I recognized it like instantly because now I had been through the experience. So uh, what you're really talking about is that there are certain critical things and maybe your heart is the most critical of all of them. Uh, if it starts giving you signals that you don't recognize, uh, you develop the machine to tell you, hey, listen, this is this is not what you think. Get your get yourself to a doctor. Oh, absolutely. You know, our little credit card side machine is a, a full-blown ECG machine that's in your wallet 24-7 with you. 
So that lowers that barrier, right? If you don't feel well, you don't have to face the situation of dropping everything you're doing, going to that emergency room, spending half a day there uh, or more, uh, being stuck with high deductible usually, and all those barriers that exist have been totally lowered to, um, let me get my device out of the uh, wallet, press against my chest, goes to my physician, couple of minutes later, I know that I'm on firm ground. The physician has reviewed all my diagnostic picture and I have a quality advice. And you know, patients love it, but physicians love it as well. All of a sudden they have in front of them the, 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 the totality, I'm sorry, of the, of the diagnostic picture and they are able to help their patient. Uh, prior to this, you know, patient would call and basically just report subjective symptoms and physician was not able really to uh, do much. Right now, the physician is doing, able to do a lot for that patient, including uh, relieve their you know, fear or send them to emergency room very quickly. Big difference in terms of the medical outcome. So, so this is not uh, plugged into the person all the time. This is like a little medical device that they had, they put on themselves if they notice <clears throat> some symptoms or a problem. And then what it's connected to an app and the app connects to the doctor. Is that, is that kind of what happens? Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a, a app actually the app turns on that little device and makes it ready for you. Uh, you take it out of the wallet, uh, press again, the chest, everything goes up to the cloud where this artificial intelligence uh, engine uh, uh, sits and collects all the information for the doctor. When the doctor gets a minute later after this um, uh, patient got uh, the recording done, uh, gets the, the file, uh, the report of this event, they have the complete information, including the ECGs, two ECGs, the baseline ECG, current ECG, symptoms report, history, all of a sudden, they are able to help that, that patient. And very often, they would get into a telehealth visit with the patient as well. So that really closes the loop uh, and, and, and solve that problem of indecisiveness, not knowing what to do. The barrier has been really uh, lowered to a phone call uh, from the physician uh, who is now well informed uh, what the patient needs to do. So, but so you take it out of your wallet, you put it on your chest. You the, the app turns it on. Uh, two questions here. One is, does the person uh, usually have the uh, frame of mind to be able to do that? Are they are they alert? Is their mind good and everything where they can do that? And second, then it shoots over to the doctor. I mean, I've never been able to get my doctor on the phone instantly. I mean, they're in surgery, they're doing procedures. I, I don't know what they're busy doing, but they're they're busy. And so uh, like, like this, like when this, this app sends it, does the doctor get it like a text message, like where it's instant? Yeah, it's a, a great question. Absolutely. As far as the patient is concerned, great majority of, of these heart attack patients are just facing a, a dilemma on, is this, you know, something benign or a heart attack? If, if, if they are really not able to uh, get to their, um, wallet, you know, um, then they should call 911. There, there should be no, no further evaluation. But great majority of these patients are able 
to uh, to, to do a recording and act in many cases, um, you know, call 911 or have somebody drive them, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, again, if they're not, if, if they're not really capable of uh, recording, then it's time to call 911. So does the, does the device do any diagnostic? In other words, uh, this is this is call nine one one or 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 does it go to the doctor? And the doctor gives you the instruction. The artificial intelligence that we have uh, does do that, but not directly to the patient. It actually provides that advice uh, to the physician, because we've shown in our study that that advice is actually better, high, highly accurate more accurate than a panel cardiologist because we have this three-dimensional view of the heart, electrical view of the heart. So our technology goes really beyond what standard of care. And so for the benefit of the physician, we provide that to the physician and they integrate everything and they do whatever their professional opinion tells them to do. Was that feature of uh, going to the doctor instead of telling the patient, get yourself to a hospital right away, was that an instruction from your lawyers or was that something that you thought was the best way to do it? <laughs> well, I think you put your uh, finger on, on the journey because the company was started as we're going to develop this. It's going to be autonomous. It's going to uh, basically send the information to the patient. And then, you know, that was a good engineering uh, vision, right? Then we looked at the practical implications of of not uh, having a doctor in the loop, and we did not like what we found out. We wanted to make sure that this is widely accepted, and initially it's going to be prescription only. So we ended up with a a uh, picture where you know the, the the whole system picture where the physician is in the center of it. And do we envision, you know, uh, perhaps five years from now, having a system that could actually directly talk to the patient in a manner, you know, like Tesla has self-driving, right? You know, um, our system could be also self-driving, but not for foreseeable future. We'd like to make sure that uh, physicians are comfortable and our results in the field support that, um, you know, self-driving, or if you want, autonomous autonomous um, uh, version of the system. Yeah. I, you know, I've heard a lot of times this AI is actually better at doing certain diagnostic work than doctors. I mean, it's not better than doctors in, in aggregate, but certain functions are better than, you know, people. It, it's a very interesting subject, right? Um, I would say the biggest problem, uh, and physicians are well aware of that, is um, what they call intra- observer uh, variability, intra and inter-observer variability. What we've done with, in one, hours, or one of our studies, we compared performance of our systems to a, a group of three physicians. And then one month later, we gave to these same physicians, same ECGs, and their inter- interpretation was about 20% different. Same physician, same ECGs, recordings, 20% different, human being, right? And the machine does not have that problem, zero variability, right? So I would say that, that you know, that's, that's the biggest liability of a human um, interpretation is that variability. Of course, you know, 
human intelligence is in 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 many ways superior to artificial, but there are aspects of uh, artificial intelligence that's superior to natural intelligence. So there's no no one answer. Yeah, I, I can ask you a lot more questions about the product, but I, I kind of like to talk about your journey. Uh, you know, as a CEO, as as an innovator, as a as a, a kind of a new entrepreneur. Um, so you kind of get this idea, you start working on this, whatever, you know, and then you realize you need some money. Where'd the money come from? I mean, because, you know, this, this sort of thing doesn't come out of thin air, right? As you know. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you know, I realized that it will not be easy to raise money uh, because it's a new product. There is nothing out there in the marketplace and that presents, you know, uh, special challenges. And so I expected, you know, not an easy way to raise first seed round. Much to my surprise, uh, within a week, I had two and a half million in the bank. Now, why do you think? Why do you think it came easy? Was it your contacts? Was it your idea? What do you think it was? Well, the you know combination of you know the idea was apparently good, but also uh, somehow you know my three investors that I hit initially uh, wrote big checks to a large degree because they had a personal story that was attached to this technology. I'm not going to go into details, but all three of them had uh, some sort of a cardiovascular history, either in, in the immediate family or they themselves were intervened on and they instantly grasped the value of having this you know, technology with them 24 seven. So that was really surprising that I got my goal of having two and a half million uh, within a week. Uh, and uh, not everything was so easy after that, but that initial raise was really quite uh, stunningly easy. You know, I think people uh, overlook what you just said. I think what you just said is incredibly important, whether you're raising capital or making sales, you need to have some affinity, you know, especially something that's intangible, like raising capital, which has been the business I've been in for so many years. Uh, when you're telling your story, it has to resonate with the person. They have to relate to it. There has to be an affinity. And I think most things are affinity driven where they have something in common with the concept. So for you to find people that, uh, you know, had some problem that your device solves, they go, oh, my God, I wish I would have had this, uh, you know, when my family had this problem. This is a this is a really necessary thing, and I think that uh, that worked out great for you. And I don't know if it was deliberate or or uh, accidental, but whatever it was, it worked out perfect for you. Yeah, well, it was a little bit of, of good luck, of course. Uh, but secondly, the cardiovascular disease so prevalent, right? You know, it's the number one cause of death worldwide. Um, so it it's it unfortunately it's not hard to find people that can relate to cardiovascular disease. And has been my experience all these years. Yeah. Um, so, so you went and you got your first money, and and what did you accomplish with the first round? What what was the, what were the main accomplishments? Well, proof of principle, right? You know, because when I raised money, I had a one pager. Actually, it was a little bit less than one pager, uh, where I told them what I'm going to do, what's the problem. And um, what's my vision? Really, didn't have concrete uh, technology to offer. It was just a vision, and uh, and a problem, and really nothing in between. So um, 
in I paired actually it's very interesting I paired with two nuclear physicists so all of a sudden three of us a chip designer and two nuclear physicists you know teamed up to solve a problem in cardiovascular uh, disease that was pro- previously not solved right you know it was unsolved problem and um, and we ended up solving it you know because you know we came from a different background and that was an asset turned out we didn't have any 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 baggage whatsoever and so in that sense, it, it is uh, a unique story, right? Um, and uh, after that, uh, we basically embarked on showing the investors that our technology works. And we, we worked with Harvard Medical School faculty at Beth Israel Hospital. We done uh, first proof of principle study, came back outstanding. And uh, then we raised a little bit more money mainly from the same investors that got even more excited. And so, you know, it was one study after another showing uh, exceptional results. And we ended up with four studies that, uh, um, you know, basically showed that, that this technology is de-risked for the, for the investors to a substantial degree. And that's how we decided to go public. Uh, is it, let me ask a question. Is this a medical device or is this a consumer device that like like an Apple Watch is like they, an Apple Watch does something is which, which do you have to go to FDA and make it medical or is or how are you going to do this? What What is this going to be? It, it is it is a medical device prescribed by the physicians in the beginning uh, for the telehealth product. We have another product. It's going to be used in emergency room, but both products will go through a five what's called five ten k clearance which is a fairly, uh, nothing is simple, but it is the simplest of all clearances that FDA uh, offers. So indeed, uh, it's a medical grade technology and uh, both of these products will be cleared, the first one uh, uh, this year, and the second one early next year by the FDA. And and, and tell us about that that decision about you know when it, in order to get doctors to prescribe it, I mean that's going to be a lot of work as opposed to putting it out on the internet and saying, "Hey, all you consumers, here's this really cool thing that that will help you." Uh, that mm-hmm. that that seems like it would be easy. So, how did you guys make the decision between going down the medical path and the consumer products path? Well, you know, the, going back to the problem, right? You know, that person that is in need of help to decide how to react to chest pain is in a life-threatening situation. And so we wanted to put that decision of, you know, what path that patient will be put on in the hands of a physician. And again, you know, know, hundreds of thousands of patients later, we'll have enough data to decide whether we can go autonomous and perhaps go direct to consumers. But initially, it really needed to be proven in the, in the system that's under uh, supervision of a qualified person, physician. And tell us, uh, you know, so you, you, you raised a bunch of money, raised a bunch of money. At what point did you decide that uh, it's time to go public and, and, and raise more money and do more? So, I mean, a lot of companies, uh, you know, kind of think, well, is it good to go public, not to go public? I mean, it seems kind of like an onerous thing to do. Uh, what was that decision like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, an interesting uh, uh, period in the development of the company. And we just talked to a couple of VC, VCs 
uh, venture capitalist. And, you know, we got a lot of congratulations and, uh, you know, hugs, you know, and but no money. Right. You know, basically, they they like what we were doing and it, it's great, etc. But they said it's a brand new market. We don't know, you know, how acceptance will be and so on and so on. And we decided, well, you know, these guys are risk uh, avert, you know, in spite of you know their profile of taking the risk. You know, these these ones that we talked to were just like not ready to take any risk with a brand new technology, brand new market, right? Um, and uh, on the other hand, talking to the smaller investors, the acceptance was really great, you know. So it, there was a little bit uh, of a division there. And then we decided, well, if you're going to go public, we'll be exposed to many investors, and we'll be able to get quote unquote credit for what our achievements from a, a wider uh, pool of investors. So conceptually, that's how we decided to go public. Of course, there was, you know, the road was not simple to, to uh, do an, a NASDAQ IPO. Uh, but in retrospect, that was the right decision to do. And um, actually, it was less difficult than we expected it to be. And, and how's it working out? I mean, is being public, I mean, you've only been public for some months. I mean, it's only been a short while, but is, is, uh, is it making it easier to raise your, to raise your capital and, and do what you need to do? Well, we, we raised enough capital that we can get both of our products with the FDA, um, you know, uh, approval clearance and, uh, you know, start generating revenue. And then at that point, we will go back to the market probably and get another round, but we have enough money in the bank to get, both of these products to the marketplace. And so, you know, we are not sensitive, you know, to the market conditions anymore. Of course, you know, substantial part of my time goes into, um, you know, um, activities related to a public company. But at the same time, uh, you know, we, we wanted to get uh, uh, funds to achieve big milestones. And that's what we have right now. Well, listen, I, I salute you. I applaud you on uh, what you've accomplished. I mean, our, our, uh, the promise of the show is to deliver the inside track, the best, the smartest, the fastest way to get something done. And, uh, and you have been headstrong in trying to figure out how you're going to bring this product to the market. And I, I, I think you really have taken the inside track on doing that and sharing your story with other executives from, uh, from good sized companies so that they can think about uh, maybe their company doing the same kinds of things or taking products to market, uh, whether they, break off and do it themselves, or maybe their company does it. Uh, but the fact that you delivered on the promise, that makes you an advantage player. And, and we, we uh, salute you for that and, and just think that you've done an awesome job and it's a wonderful story. And I hope that this product uh, gets to market because it's something that a lot of people uh, need. It's going to do a lot of people a lot of good. Yeah, that's one of the, the key driving forces be behind forming this company. And today, you know, we, we are definitely interested in the financial returns, but the feeling the one day that we'll be saving lives and making, uh, you know, improvements in the quality of the lives of the patient is really second to none. That's the main driving forces behind this guy anyway. Do you have any sense about how many lives might be saved? Uh, you know, if you were really successful and got widespread adoption of this product, how many people... Uh, have symptoms that they don't understand and how many lives that might save? Any any sense about that? Well, I can tell you that an average person waits about three to four hours before they react to a symptom of heart attack. And three to four hours later, 
mortality goes up by 40%, 4-0. And, and so you can imagine if that person uh, can react within the first 10 minutes of that chest pain and not four hours, there will be many lives uh, uh, indeed saved. Yeah, boy, that's that's a lot. That's really material. Well, Branislav, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, for sharing your story, uh, for talking about uh, you know what your CEO journey has been. Uh, I, I appreciate it greatly, and I know our audience is going to appreciate it as well. So, thanks for sharing. Thank you so much. Um, enjoyed the conversation very much. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Autovita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audivita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A dot com. Produced by Audivita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.